Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. The show show. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, not Tuesday show, as I am continuing to call it for now. Uh, but I will definitely... <laughs> Try to come up with a different name at some point in time. We need the dark, gritty reboot of the Tuesday show, says Romano Cheese in the chat. And uh, I agree with that. I, we definitely need to do some sort of, like, I'll change everything here into, like, you know, hardcore, hardcore, like, chains and metal and all this stuff. And we'll have uh, the hardcore, gritty reboot. <laughs> the dramatic version uh, of the Tuesday show. Hello everybody, my name is James Chen and I will be your host for today. Uh, we are going to talk about um, a topic that I kind of got into a little bit on Twitter, but you know, I, I just kind of wanted to bring it up here a little bit just because as a person who is a grappler player and as well as someone who does enjoy the occasional zoner, uh, I know those two archetypes get a ton of hate in fighting games and I just kind of want to talk about them a little bit and talk about how we can act like how you have to approach them mentally and and try to dispel a lot of the uh, hatred for these archetypes. Uh, but before we get into that, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and do what I did last time here. I'll just talk a little bit about some random news uh, in the FGC. Uh, that's been happening over here just to kind of give people time to come in before not much huge amount of news happening right now I mean obviously after Evo the big dump of information that we got from there there hasn't been much recently but right now uh, the biggest talk in the FGC is uh, DNF dual <laughs> patch notes <laughs> have come out and a lot of people are mad. <laughs> a lot of people are mad, actually. You know what? Let me bring up the DNF dual patch notes. And uh, maybe you'll be able to see why people are mad. Uh, let's see here. Okay, let's see. Oh, that's not it. What the hell? That came out as, what? Why are you doing this? Okay, here we go. I should have grabbed the, the, the link for this uh, beforehand here. The official link uh, on Twitter. Let's see here. What's a site that I might be able to... Let's go to... Uh, why can't I remember anything? Holy crap, my brain is not working at all. All right, let's do this. Sorry, guys. My brain literally just kind of shut itself down. Ah, oh, thank you, Christian Lim. Klim, here we go. Here is the patch notes for DNF Duel. Let's do this here. Uh, whoop, there we go. Uh, probably can't read much of this on your screen here, but look at this. We have Striker. There's one change to Striker. TSDR, too short, didn't read. <laughs> so, Striker, Rising Fist, reduce guard stun after second strike. Makes it harder for her to do uh, infinite block string and guard break on you. There's a gap after the second hit of the DP into the follow-up now. The Grappler, 
Grappler has a reduced time unable to tech during charged effect version of the little ground pound move. Makes it so his infinite, which was only one frame perfect, uh, impossible. Uh, Hitman made it so that his DP has less block stun on the last hit, so if he has no conversion, rolling and punish is guaranteed. And uh, you can also interrupt him before the follow-up even comes out if you're close enough. And then if you look at the rest of this patch notes, which is about four-fifths of the patch notes. Let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen out of sixteen things are nerfs to Swiftmaster. So Swiftmaster just got bodied in about a billion different ways. And that's the patch notes. That's the end of the patch notes. That's the end of the patch notes. And uh, a lot of people are frustrated because they wanted more. They wanted more uh, information and they wanted more changes. A lot of the people like launcher players, me as an inquisitor player, where's my more health? Where's my more health? I wanted more health. Um... Here's the thing, though. Oh, I mean, deleting the replays can't be helped, right? Because uh, the replays aren't going to work anymore. That's just kind of how it works, right? Uh, unless they somehow manage to keep older versions of the game. That's just kind of how uh, patches end up working. Now, the interesting thing about this is, you know, again, this could be a whole entire topic on its own, and maybe I should do this as an entire topic instead of just talking about it in the context of DNF Duel here, but the game was only like two months old, right? When did this game release? When did, when did DNF Duel release? Like, uh, release date. Release date was June 28th. It's literally been two months, and people are acting like uh, a small patch like this is completely unjustified. A lot of people are acting like, uh, where's all of our sweeping changes to this game? We need all sorts of craziness. Um, it's only been two months, right? And with the nerf to Swiftmaster, a lot of things could potentially change. Swiftmaster definitely uh, limited the game a lot. Hitman obviously is going to be number one in the game right now. Like, without question, Hitman's going to be ridiculously strong. So obviously that's going to be a problem at this point. But the game is still only two months old, right? Now, we are in a different age of fighting games where... We do figure things out very quickly, very, very quickly. And as a result, uh, it feels like two months is enough time for us to say, all right, here's the problems with the game. Here's the big changes we need. Change the system. Change the way this game plays, etc., etc." And, I mean, to be fair, let's take a look at this here. Melty Blood Type Lumina. Uh, was released September. It's been about a year for Melty Blood already. Has it really been that long? <laughs> Has Melty Blood been out that long already? Did it come out at the end of September last year? <laughs> 
I mean, it has been less than a year, and they, uh, dang, God, it feels like it just came out like three months ago. Holy crap, where, what, what is time these days? But, you know, about a year, and it's taken about a year for a major patch to come out for this game. They changed a lot recently, right? And so, yeah, I mean, 11 months sounds about right to me. That sounds pretty good. So for DNF Duel, I think there's we've got more time to let the game flesh out a little bit. And, you know, Arxis is still planning to do the Arc Reva World Tour with the game in there and such. So, you know, I don't think that there's... There's a fear that the devs are abandoning the game because we're not getting a lot of information. And, you know, what's interesting is we've kind of become... Uh, indoctrinated to the concept of season passes and the idea that season passes guarantee us future content. Because DNF Duel came out with no season passes, everyone's freaking out like, oh my god, the game is unsupported. And that's it. And that's the end of it. And so uh, I think that's where a lot of people are having problems with right now is that we're not guaranteed that this game is actually... Uh, gonna continue to be supported. Hello, Silas. Hello. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of people are worried about. I think a lot of people are worried that, you know, this game isn't being supported. Who, who are the DLC characters? Are there going to be DLC characters? And, you know, the patterns set by all fighting games these days have really kind of uh, made it so it feels like DNF Duel is not getting developer love. Uh, the other thing that I really kind of wanted to talk about, and like I said, this is the part that can become its own topic altogether, is the fact that I think as fighting game players, we're kind of addicted to patches and patch notes right now. Like, I feel like people are more interested in patch there's there's a sect of players that I feel like are more interested in patch notes than in the game. <laughs> itself like I feel like a lot of people get excited when they see patch notes read the patch notes and then they don't play the game <laughs> it's just I really feel like our community has gotten to the point where we are so enamored with patch notes that patch notes feel like this giant major event and so when a patch notes comes out like DNF duels and doesn't have that many changes, it just feels like a, 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 a letdown. <laughs> yeah, it feeds the content creator meta. That is for sure, uh, Exogen. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that, so apologies. But I feel like that's where a lot of it's coming from. And, and yeah, uh, not a lot of people, I know the user base for DNF Duel has dropped a lot. And I feel like that a lot of that comes from Swiftmaster being a problem uh, and potentially Hitman being a problem. Uh, but, you know, yeah, exactly. Subatar says they're always going to go like, I'm waiting for a patch. I'm waiting for a patch. And I feel like uh, our community has kind of become addicted to patches. And I feel like that this is kind of a problem. I mean, we're almost the opposite of smoking, right? Smoking, you try to get away from it by putting on a patch. Now the FGC has to figure out a way to get off the patch. 
we have to figure out our ways to get ourselves off the patch because I think we're a little too addicted to patches. And so at this point, when you see something like DNF Duel, they addressed a lot of the things that they were, should have addressed. Swiftmaster has been toned down. Swiftmaster, clearly the best character in the game, without question one of the biggest problems of the game. And uh, I think the patch is fine. Personally, I mean, again, two months old game. Do we need a patch? Yeah, like I said, I would have liked Inquisitor with more health. I would have liked more defensive options or something. I would like this, but let's give the game time to breathe. Let's give the game some room to breathe. Uh, there are some characters, you know, obviously characters like Enchantress are, you know, very difficult to use. I feel like they still have more potential. Uh, a lot of Enchantress players saying that uh, she's just not strong enough right now. Let's give it some time. Let's just give it some time. Um, and again, you know, uh, what Lurker Spine says, you know, better off seeing how the meta shakes out after nerfing the broken stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of people, there was discussion out there too about the whole concept of patches should only buff and not nerf. And again, I've talked about this in the past, but that is a pipe dream. That is not a legitimate way to uh, rebalance a game. It's a nice thought. It's a nice thought, but it is not necessarily uh, the optimal way to balance a game, right? So um, obviously if a character sucks, yeah, you want to buff that character. But let's just say we take that opportunity to think about, hey, let's only buff and not nerf. Swiftmaster's a problem. Swiftmaster blows up character A because character A can't do anything to this about Swiftmaster. So if we only buff and not nerf, we don't change Swiftmaster, we buff character A to be able to fight Swiftmaster. Well, that screws up every other single matchup that that character has. <laughs> Not just Swiftmaster, it screws up everybody's matchup with that character. And the smallest of tweaks can really change a lot in fighting games. And that's one of the things that we have to realize. The tiniest things. It's like I said in a previous episode, they nerfed Andy's jump CD by one frame. And now I feel like he's unplayable. Like, <laughs> like literally they removed one active frame and I don't even feel like Andy is as playable as he was before. I feel like they nerfed him too much. And so, uh, you know, tiny little changes can affect a lot. And so if you have a character like Swiftmaster who is busted, who's obviously better than all the other characters, the best way to balance the game is to nerf Swiftmaster because what makes Swiftmaster strong over character A is going to be really similar to what makes him stronger over character B, which is really similar to what makes him strong over character C, etc., etc., etc. If a character is clearly too strong, it is in your best interest balance-wise to nerf Swiftmaster as opposed to buffing everyone else to fight Swiftmaster. Because if you do that, you've just basically created a brand new game and you're gonna have to rebalance the whole entire thing again. So again, I understand the concept of only buff, never nerf. It's not a practical thing. It was a thought process also a long time ago. I used to be a purveyor of that mindset. Buff everything, never nerf. This was back in the arcade days where the stakes just weren't as high, 
right? The hardest part about fighting games right now is that the entire environment, the entire infrastructure of fighting games has changed, where prize money is on the line, world tours exist, and how you change a character can largely affect, you know, someone's ability to win a lot of money. And so, you know, this idea of buffing everyone and not nerfing everything worked a long time ago because if the game was crazy, it was whatever, we dealt with it, right? If the sequel came out, if Alpha 2 came out and and it was just Alpha 1 but they buffed everybody, whatever. It's like, okay, sure, fine. But the thing about it is we're not in that environment anymore uh, at this point in time. So <laughs> only buff, not nerf also doesn't work at all for RTSs, which are extremely beholden to a concept of a correct way to play. Yeah, TCG. <laughs> Imagine if a TCG player said unban everything. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, clearly you need to be able to have an environment that you can control. And like I said, it's different now because we are in this tournament era, this world tour era, where, you know, buffing and nerfing affects a lot more than just our enjoyment factor playing in a random arcade or playing online and ranked, right? There's there's a little bit more to it than that. And uh, DNF Duel is already in the Arxis World Tour, so... <laughs> All right, look, don't come in the chats yelling nerf zoners. Do, do, should I just get started into this idea of justice for grapplers and justice for zoners already? <laughs> Um, uh, sure, let's just go ahead and jump over. Unless there's any other news out there that anybody has, uh, that they feel like they kind of want to hear my opinion for. I know that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about leverless controllers out there on the internet right now. Uh, it's an interesting conversation, one that deserves way more talk than I can do in just a little short amount of time right now. Yeah, Mike Lee, I'll get into that in a little bit, uh, how zoners and grapplers are rarely top tier, and they almost always suck because people hate fighting them. I, I don't think it's an accident uh, at this point in time. CVS3, I mean, it's all just rumors. Oda said, hey, I, we, we've, we've been doing a lot of crossover stuff recently. I'm down to talk to Capcom. And I think Capcom said, hey, we're down to talk to, you know what, look. <laughs> That's as far as it has gone. There's nothing next. There's nothing else to talk about. So um, happy Street Fighter 35th anniversary. Correct, Street Fighter 1 came out 35 years ago. Can you imagine that? That game came out, was a <laughs> groundbreaking-ish game for the, its time, and uh, a <laughs> groundbreaking and cabinet-breaking game for its time. And imagine what it has done. I mean, look at the craziness that it has produced uh, in the world of video games, right? A whole genre. I mean, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for that uh, that game. Uh, but yeah, happy 35th anniversary to Street Fighter 1, to the Street Fighter franchise as a whole. <laughs> 3D button, yeah. Uh, what? It was War Gods, right? War Gods, 
that they wanted to promote the fact that you held a button to move 3D. It was made by the same guys who made the Mortal Kombat games. It was, it was uh, Midway, if I'm not mistaken, that made the game. And so just like they added the run button to Mortal Kombat, they added the 3D button to War Gods. And they wanted to make sure they promoted the 3D button as much as possible. That's how you did 8-Way Run, is you held the 3D button and you could move around. But in order to do that, it was one of those big, giant plastic buttons, and it had a little light bulb under it to, to, to shine it to make it brighter for people so that they saw the 3D button. And uh, as a result, the light bulb actually heat the button up so much that I think later, like the longer the War God's cabinet stayed alive, like it would actually start getting like kind of melting the plastic. And yeah, the button would actually like hurt to hit because it would get too hot. It would actually get hot. And uh, it was uh, not fun at all. Uh, needless to say, War Gods did not do very well uh, in the arcade at all. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, uh, Street Fighter 1, of course, did have the punchy buttons where depending on how hard you hit the buttons, your character would do one of three different strengths of attacks. So uh, accidentally, they created the six-button system by creating two buttons, a punch, a kick, that you hit with different strengths to create the different strength attacks. There was a light, medium, and heavy values. And needless to say, people beat the shit out of these machines, and they all broke. And so Capcom had to release a new version of Street Fighter 1 with the six-button format so people wouldn't actually destroy the cabinets anymore because people just basically started punching the hell out of the... I've never actually physically seen a Street Fighter 1 with the punchy buttons. I have never actually seen one of those. Uh, so I've never gotten to experience one of those myself. But that was how we ended up with the light, medium, and heavy punches and kicks because there was three strengths of each of those buttons depending on how hard you punch that button. And so they just turned them all into their own separate buttons and uh, that's the way it works. So yeah, Proud Soul, a lot of people have been talking about that hitbox versus joystick, the leverless things and you know doing supers and four frames and everything like that. We were talking about that a little bit. I don't think it's something I can talk about very briefly here. I'd probably need a whole episode on that and to talk to a lot of different people. One, that technique, that hitbox Dustin used to do that four frame super not easy takes a lot of practice okay obviously it looks like it's easy and the reputation of the hitbox is makes everything free and it's really not like if you look carefully how he's doing it it's not that simple and requires a lot of timing practice but uh that whole discussion is just a ginormous can of worms and uh i don't know if i can get it, get into it today and still talk about a lot of the other topics and such so <laughs> see there you go use that mentality that duck helmet's using i'm glad we're getting leverless controllers now i have something to blame my losses on clearly i am at an unfair disadvantage playing on stick exactly there you go and for me honestly 
uh, I mean, again, I have 30 years of muscle memories of joysticks, right? So leverless controllers are very, very difficult for me to use. I have played on keyboard before, so I can still do it, but there's just there's so many things that are just so much more natural on a joystick for me. Like one of the weirdest things for me is that my left thumb is not agile enough to do consistent short hops on KOF. I tend to hit the button too long with the up button with my left hand. I actually have to short hop with my right hand because my right hand is actually more agile to be able to tap and get the short hop. My left hand tends to hold too long. It's uh, really a lot of interesting things going on. So I'm probably not the right audience for the leverless. Also, it is really freaking hot here. And I'm going to bust out this uh, old Kwamba fan they gave away at Evo one year. Uh, I've had this forever. It's a great fan, by the way. This was back in the Street Fighter 4 days, man. I believe this was like when uh, Ultra Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was coming out or something. They gave these away at Evo and I grabbed one. I've had it ever since. For those of you listening on the podcast forum, I've just busted out a giant My Shiranui fan over here and I am fanning myself. It is branded by Kwamba. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, look, they even got like little martial arts dudes on the left side over here. It's a nice stick. Uh, it's a nice uh, fan here. So, uh, But like I said, when it comes to leverless versus uh, joysticks, that's going to be a whole topic on its own. So probably can't get to it right now. Uh, yeah, dash buttons are nice. Yeah, leverless. Uh, that's one of the biggest advantages right there is the ability to dash as fast as possible. And because of the way that the SOCD cleaners work, and this is, see, again, I, look, I can talk about this topic for a very long time. A lot of people are unaware of what uh, SOCD cleaners, the simultaneous uh, opposite cardinal directions cleaner uh, is such a major factor in leverless versus uh, joystick and it's a topic that needs to be talked about, but the way that SOCD cleaners largely work give you access to a lot of interesting shortcuts, which is how Hitbox Dustin was able to do that four-frame super or close to four-frame super, at least. It's probably four-frame, five-frame, something like that uh, super. Um, but... Uh, like I said, that is a topic all on its own, and I think it would deserve a whole entire episode, so maybe I'll save next week for that and try to get some guests on to talk about it. Uh, I mean, Hitbox is now basically like when you call everything a Kleenex or you call everything Windex. Like, those are brands, <laughs> but everyone just calls them that way. So, yeah, Leverless is probably the be best way to describe it because... All the different game, all the different controllers out there. I mean, even if you look at David's split box, like that's different as well, right? That has a different setup uh, than than standard uh, hitbox controllers. So Xerox, yep, exactly. Xerox was another one. So uh, not sure, Ten Toad Sloth. I have no idea what happened to that lawsuit. I mean, I, maybe I'll ask David. He might know, but then he also might know too much in that he can't tell me anything. I would imagine that that's probably, there's probably a high chance that that is the case. 
but uh, we'll see how it goes. Any case, uh, let's go ahead. It's six o'clock now, so we've been in this for about half an hour. So let's go ahead and talk about the main topic at hand here. And that is justice for grapplers and justice for zoners. I wanted to talk about this because these two archetypes in particular are very, very hated <laughs> in the fighting game community. Extremely, extremely hated. And it's very interesting because as uh, someone pointed out in the chat, these characters <laughs> are rarely strong in the game. Now, grapplers in particular are almost always not strong in fighting games. Uh, zoners, however, on the other hand, can be very, very strong. Uh, modern cases, look at Cetrion in MK11, probably one of the most egregious examples. But Dalsam has been very strong in all of the old school games. Super Turbo, zoning very strong. Alpha 3, zoning very strong. I'm not even going to count Street Fighter V. Because if you're going to tell me that Dalsam is a zoner in Street Fighter V, I'm going to laugh in your face. Because there's nothing zoning about Dalsam in Street Fighter V. <laughs> it just, yeah. Dalsam is not a zoner in Street Fighter V. He is the best rushdown character in the game. Literally the best rushdown character in Street Fighter V right now is Dalsim, okay? He's Sentinel. He's MVC2 Sentinel, all right? He's always in your face because of the teleport. The teleport turned out to be too strong of a tool. And so, uh, but zoners have always been fairly strong, but uh, there's a lot of games where the zoners are not strong as well. And in fact, they tend to get nerfed some of the quickest. Same thing for grapplers. Now, the interesting thing about grapplers and zoners is uh, I do prescribe to the theory that uh, zoners and grapplers should never be the strongest character in the game. If your game is designed in a way that the grappler or the zoner are top tier in the game, you are playing a very dangerous game. And it all comes back to this same topic. People hate grapplers and zoners. And so if they're the best characters in the game, I call them uh, make you quit characters, basically. They are the characters that will make you quit fighting games, zoners and grapplers. They make people quit fighting games. Set plays, set play characters, the same reason. So you can't make them the best characters in the game in a weird way because people have not had the ability to accept, accept zoners and grapplers as a standard archetype. Now, here's the thing. What is it about zoners and grapplers that everyone hates so much, right? Someone in the chat earlier, I think it was Tiny Tex who said that Grapplers and zoners are kind of designed to make people hate them. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. It's just that their game plan is easily hated on. Hateable. So here's the thing about fighting games, right? Fighting games, the win condition is usually hit the other guy, open them up with a mix-up, hit them, and drain their life 
and you win and try not to take any damage. The thing about zoners and grapplers is that they provide alternate win conditions. They've created alternate win conditions and this is where a lot of the people have trouble and why they hate fighting them because these particular archetypes change how you have to approach fighting them. And what is it that both of these characters, these archetypes have in common that make it so that you actually have to change your game plan? Uh, someone on Twitter, this is kind of how it brought up, said that this was probably the best explain it to me like I'm five years old explanation that I've ever heard. And what I said on Twitter was the reason why people hate grapplers and zoners so much, and yes, I'm leaning forward in my chair because this is important here, is because both of these characters, both of these archetypes make it so that blocking isn't safe. And therein lies the problem. Now, people are going to joke, nobody blocks in fighting games. Nobody. Panic, you block, right? You get hit by a crazy mix-up character. I blocked that. I swear I blocked it. Man, if I had just blocked that, I would have survived. Block is the natural tendency for players to go to to feel safe. And when the block is defeated by mix-ups, a lot of the times players will just be like, I totally blocked that. Or, you know, there is that option, right? The, the end solution is always blocking, 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 which is why a lot of people have trouble with games like Marvel, where blocking is a bad idea, but it's still safer than nothing. The problem is grapplers and zoners punish you for blocking. And herein lies why people hate them. Because your panic defensive option no longer works. With grapplers, obviously they command grab you and usually you take a chunk of damage and it feels gross and yucky. And so you're trying to do what? You're trying to run away from them so badly every time they get next to you. With zoners, they want you to block. They're just chucking projectiles at you and chipping your life away. And they want you to block on the other side of the screen. And so you're sitting there dealing with this. And what it does is it makes you pressured to try to get in on the opponent. Now, again, it's very interesting because grapplers and zoners are like the two opposite sides, right? People always consider grapplers and zoners are like the opposite play styles for each other, from each other. But they're almost the exact same thing. They punish you for blocking. However, they cause panic. They induce panic in people very, very easily. And my Chromecast has pooped out on me again. Let me get that back up, okay? And that is the reason why people hate fighting them, because they induce panic, because they make it feel like if you block, you can't win anymore. And here's the thing. If you are a grappler or a zoner player, having the opponent panic is like the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> People panicking against zoners and grapplers is 
the way zoners and grapplers win. Their whole goal is to get people to panic. And the way that people are going to beat these character archetypes is by not panicking. I put out... Um, well, that's the thing. It's like zoners are hated mostly because they force people to block much more than usual. It's not just that. If they weren't damaging you, nobody would care. The reason why people hate zoners is because they're taking chip damage that entire time. So when you're fighting Guile and he's just going sonic boom, sonic boom, sonic boom, sonic boom. Or when you're fighting Axel and he's just shooting, you know, uh, sonic boom chains at you all day. You're taking chip damage. Cetrion's shooting you with lasers and all this other stuff. You're taking damage the whole entire time. If you could block all that stuff and not take any chip damage, you would definitely feel a lot less panic. You would be blocking because now your defense is working and the opponent still has to come into you and attack you. I mean, even Dalsum takes gray life from limbs. But again, Street Fighter V, Dalsum, not a zoner. Not as a, he can zone, but he's a rushdown character with zoning capabilities. I refuse to call him a zoner with rushdown capabilities. He's a rushdown character with zoning capabilities. <laughs> That's the end of that is that is my discussion on Dalsum for Street Fighter V. But here's the thing is that, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, when you're blocking against a zoner, you're taking damage. So all of a sudden, you're like, if I keep t blocking here, he's eventually going to beat me. And so you panic. You d it's very uncomfortable. Anytime a character forces you to not be able to block, like I said, mix-up characters like Magneto, they're, they're, they're super annoying. They open you up. Milia, Chip. You know, all these characters open you up. But somehow in your brain, because you think to yourself, I could have blocked that. And again, why people go, I totally blocked that. I totally blocked that. I totally, I knew you were going to the other side and I switched sides. You see how there's already this mental attitude that they just could have blocked it. And I totally blocked it. I totally blocked it. And there's that mindset that makes it so that mix-up characters aren't even as hated as grapplers and zoners. Because grapplers, you, you're not like, I totally blocked that. It's, I got command grab. What the hell am I supposed to do? And then zoners is like, I can't just keep blocking all day. I'm going to die. I have to do, it's so cheap. It's so cheap. And you see how the mindset changes completely. The reason why both of these characters make it so that people hate fighting them is because people don't, they want to block to feel safe. They want to block to feel safe. And so uh, I asked for this uh, a while ago, uh, yesterday, and I'm glad someone found it for me. So I'm going to bust it up here on the screen here. Uh... Hang on. Uh, I'll talk about that, uh, Duck Helmet. I'll talk about that for sure. Uh, I'll talk about that. But let's... What do I mean by... Ready? Go! What do I mean by uh, zoners and grapplers love making you panic? When you panic, you become so much easier to predict than anything.
It's so easy to predict you when you panic. If you've fought against a zoner and they seem to have a move ready for you every single time, it's because you're panicking. <laughs> Zoners are very... Play a zoner. Try to zone. And you'll see people get in on you and you'll just be like, why can't... If a zoner had a move that covered every situation, that character is the best character in the game. Like, literally, it's just, then everybody would play that character, everybody would spam that one move, and nobody would really ever be able to defeat them. So again, why do people love, why is it that fighting game player, why is it that grapplers and zoners love it when you panic? You become extremely easy to predict. I want to show this clip over here. This is a KOF 15 clip where O. Shermie, an Orochi Shermie, completely destroys a Gato player, okay? This is not me calling out any of the players here. This is not like high level, high level play here, but it is very indicative of what it is, what I mean by panic and how you become that much easier to predict. So let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this round here. Okay, before we do that, let's do a quick explanation here, really quick. Before we do that, here's Orochi Shermie. She has four moves. She has a, a move where she throws a fireball like this, right? This is Orochi Shermie here in King of Fighters 15. If you do it with light punch, she does this. If you do it with light kick, ah, uh, please stay here. Light kick, she goes here. Heavy punch here. Heavy kick here. So for those of you listening right now uh, on the podcast, I'm showing Orochi Shermie's little electric orb that she can plant at four distances. Light, quarter circle forward, light punch is closest, and then light kick, heavy punch, heavy kick. She has four distances at which she can throw these things. This is her, quote, zoning. This is her, quote, zoning. So, let's watch this round here between this Oshermi player and this Gato player. Knocks him back, and here we go. Orb, orb, orb. Orb, orb. Orb, 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 orb. For those of you who are watching, who are listening, this Shermi player literally zoned the Gato player out by doing orb, 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 orb. And here's the thing. There's nothing cheap about this. There's literally nothing cheap about this. Where did my volume go? <laughs> my KOF is now, uh, okay, I'll take care of that in a second. Uh, let's go over here. There's actually nothing cheap about what this, uh, this Orochi Shermi player did. And I will show you in a second, as soon as I get my volume mixer back over here, I don't know why that went away, because I want to mute the game. Here we go. So let's go back to this video here. Like, it looks like, it looks like you can't get in on her. 
Like she had an orb for every single situation. But let me talk to you about this. And again, this is not me trying to shame the player. And, you know, obviously the player's name is on the screen here. So this is not me attempting to shame the player. Uh, the clip just had the names there this entire time. But I want to show you something. When you are playing against a zoner and if you panic and if you get frustrated, frustration is one of the number one ways for a zoner to kill you. Panic and frustration. If you watched Filipino Champ play Dalsim in Street Fighter four days, one of his main things was that he tried to piss you off. He would taunt with Dalsim, throw fireballs, do goofy things, because the whole point is the more frustrated you get, the more predictable you become. And I just want you to show you this here. This looked cheap because literally the Shermie just threw out orbs and the Gato could not get in. But let's take a look at this very carefully over here. Okay, far orb hit the Gato trying to run in. So what is the Gato going to try to do? He wants to run past this spot that he got hit. So what does Orochi Shermie do? Close orb. He went far orb, close orb, and the Gato ran and tried to jump past the spot where he got hit by the first orb, and so Shermie does the close orb, and it hits him. Throws another orb, he manages to jump over it, she gets a jump kick, that was a brilliant move by the way, gets that jump kick because the Gato is so adamant about getting around these orbs now, he's not thinking. He just jumped over the far orb, got hit, and now we have a situation here where he's trying to get in. Okay, so he's close. He wants to rush down the Shermie as much as possible because he's getting frustrated by the zoning. So what does Orochi Shermie do? Throws a close orb. And what does Gato do? Jumps into it, gets hit. Now he knocks him far away because he's getting knocked down, so she throws a far orb. Gato runs into it. So Shermie's like, you know what? He's going to be desperate to get in. I will throw a close orb. And Gato runs and jumps into it. <laughs> We've seen this scenario already. Gets hit. Throws an even farther orb. Hits him on his wake up full screen away. Knows he's going to run forward. So she throws one at mid range. Hits him while he runs in. Now he's getting desperate. What has he done this whole entire time? Throw the close orb. Another close orb. Gato jumps into it. Full screen away again. Far orb. Rolls past it. Close orb. Jumps into it. Far orb. Runs into it. Literally, except for one situation, Shermie did far orb, close orb, far orb, close orb, far orb, close orb. And that's it. That's all she did. And the reason why it worked is not because Orochi Shermie's zoning is super good. It's because the opponent got frustrated and panicked. So when you watch that clip, the first time you're like, this zoning looks super cheap. Shermie literally predicted everything the Gato was going to do at the entire step. Because again, if we look at what Orochi Shermie does, she's stuck in that orb animation for quite some time. If the Gato player got hit by a far orb 
and then stood still, she would have thrown the short orb and then you just run up. And then now she has to guess. The thing about it is the more you panic, the more you get frustrated, the easier you become to predict. And this is how you die to zoners. What I'm going to tell you this right now is if you are fighting a zoner, if you are fighting a zoner, your win condition, your game plan has to change. You cannot fight the zoner like every other character. What you're doing now when you're fighting against the zoner is you are playing a shmup. You're playing a bullet hell game because I want you to note that these Orochi Shermi fireballs that I'm throwing up on the screen over here take up so little of the screen. <laughs> they don't hit much at all. Like, look at this. I'm just, I did the light fireball really close to Gato. It's not hitting him. Look at this right here. So, right. So, uh, Nilbanas asked, so how do you get close? Nibon yeah, Nilbanas, how do you get close? Like I said, what you're now doing is playing a shmup. And what you're trying to do is predict what the opponent is trying to do. Right. They hit high enough to anti-air. Why are you jumping? That's an interesting question right there. Why are you jumping? Why not walk and block? Why not walk and block and see what the opponent's trying to do? As soon as you see the orbs show up at a spot on the screen that you weren't at, so let's say she does the far orb like this and you block it, and then she does the close orb, if you don't commit to anything, all you're doing is seeing her do close orb, now run forward. Because she can't do close orb, close orb right away because that orb is still on the screen. You see how I can't throw another orb out while it's still on the screen? I have to wait to throw another orb. If I throw a close orb with Shermie and I didn't, and the Gato didn't run forward, now he just runs forward. Because like I said, what is it that you do when you play a shmup? Is you find the gaps, right? You find where the openings, you find the patterns in where you can find the safe spots. And that's the tricky thing about zoning is that everything a zoner does has massive, massive gaps in what they're doing. And like I said, yes, you can design a game where the zoner is kind of stupid, right? See early Superman lasers <laughs> in the original Injustice. You can obviously design zoners that, that, that they're super broken. But what your job now is to play a shmup. You're playing against a human opponent who has access to a bunch of moves and you are trying to predict which moves they are going to use and find the dead zone. I'm going to show you another example over here. <clears throat> Let's do this really quick. Another uh, classic zoner here who is not even considered a strong character. <clears throat> Guile, Guile, we'll talk about Guile in just a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about Guile in a little bit. 
Right. So the most frustrating zoners are the ones who can push you away if you make a single hit on your approach. But also keep in mind that a lot of times when the zoner hits you a screen away like that, they're not doing a lot of damage. They are not doing a lot of damage. And that's one of the things that you have to keep in mind uh, about zoners is that in general, zoners do not do a lot of damage. Now, that's not always the case because you have characters like Ivy in Soul Calibur who kind of zones you. And why does she get to do 700 billion damage every time she hits you? That's just the character right there, and, and it's very difficult. But again, Soul Calibur, very different beast because zoning works very differently uh, in, in 3D games. Right, so, but, you know, using the shmup example, obviously you're threading needles and you're barely dodging things. Have you ever actually seen the hitbox and hurtboxes of most shmup games? Most shmup games, bullets are a pixel, and your hurt box is literally this tiny square. You're getting hit by pixels a lot of the times, uh, and it's really just panic that causes you to die. Um, however, uh, the main point is that the, way, the reason why I bring up the shmup is because I want you to understand when you're fighting against zoners, you need a different mindset when you play against these characters. Let's talk about Axel over here. Light Punch, look at this wonderful, awesome button that covers all this space. It's like perfect here. And if you jump, I have this beautiful anti-air with crouching slash. And then of course, uh, what do I've got? I've got uh, forward punch which covers this diagonal space, which is really wonderful. I've got Crouching Heavy Punch, which covers everything in front of me. I've got Sonic Boom, which covers this space over here. The interesting thing about a lot of this is that it feels like Axel has 700 moves that he can zone you with. But let's take a look at this. I've got Punch, I've got Towards, I've got towards Kick, Crouching slash, I've got standing heavy, uh, crouching heavy punch. Like on the ground, that's like all I've got. I've also got a jumping slash, which is hella good as well. I'm not gonna front here. But now here's the thing, you notice this, that, and then he's got Sonic Boom. Like this is about the level of zoning that Axel has. He literally has one, two, three, four, five and maybe six moves and if you notice something every single one of these moves has a ginormous dead zone and so it's about you predicting in and remember because zoners generally don't do a lot of damage to you at once getting hit by the stuff the zoner does is not a problem your life bar is a resource Normally, when you get in on a zoner, you get to murder zoners. Axel has no guts. He has no defensive value in this game. If you get on him, murder him. <laughs> and that means that you are potentially losing, like, okay, if I do crouching heavy slash here on a non-blocking crouching uh, soul over here, I did about 44 damage, right? 44 damage. You have about like 44 damage. How much life does every character have in this game? Like a thousand or something like that? I mean, if you think about that, 
you're taking 44 damage. How much life does everybody have in this game? I don't know. But according to my adjustments here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 420. So you have 420. Okay, you can take 10 hits. You could take 10 hits of all these little buttons over here. And if you get in one time and let's say you drain 400 of Axel's health, you have guts, don't forget. You have also have guts with a lot of your other characters. If you get in one time and can drain 500 of, uh, I'm not 500, 200 of Axel's health, that means I can take four of these hits to every one hit I do. Now, the way that a lot of these games are designed is that most of these zoner characters have no good defensive options. Axel has no DP. He did in older games, okay? He did. He doesn't in this game. But that basically makes sure that you, this is how you have to approach a zoner. You have to understand that every time you get hit, this is information. If your opponent predicts that you're going to jump and hits you with a towards kick with a 6K like this, that's information. You have jumped and 6K. What does that mean now? Does that mean you're going to be like the Gato player and you got hit out of the air and say, oh, I got hit out of the air. That means I've got to run out on the ground and attack him from the ground because I can't approach from the air then the Axel's gonna throw out the standing punch and check you. And in fact, in a lot of situations here, uh, some characters can even run under this thing too, which is another uh, massive dead zone. Whoops, I need to create myself a play button, uh, like so. Like so. Axel, I mean, Soul can just run under Axel standing punch, right? So there's another massive dead zone in that standing punch. But again, if you get hit by the 6K because you were intending to jump like this, and you get hit out of the air by the 6K from the Axel player, you have now entered the mind game. What is the Axel player going to do? Well, Instead of panicking, why don't you stay a screen away where none of Axel's moves can hit you and see what button the Axel presses afterwards. He does 6K, hits you out of the air. You land on the ground, Axel throws out a punch. Now you have the idea that this Axel player is already trying to cover your adaptation. And the more frustrated you get, the more often he's going to be right. <laughs> the more times he's going to be right and so if you get hit out of the air by a 6k and then immediately try to run forward and he does a 2h and hits you while you run forward that's your fault because you're just playing into his game every single one of these things has a dead zone even if you get on top of axel and he can 2s you with this button here that you can see on the screen that the people at home can't see uh, people on the uh, podcast can't see. You'll just have to imagine his one that goes straight up. It misses a lot of things, right? So if you can get, if you can find ways to get into this range right here and jump, he can't hit you with that button. He's got to hit you with 6K. He's got to hit you with the 6K out of the air. But if you know he's going to 6K, then you can high jump and air dash, for example like so, 
because that way, if he predicts you're going to do a shallow jump and he tries the 6K, you're going to be able to make it over sometimes like that. And now you're in on top of him. Again, every one of these attacks has a giant blind spot. And if you don't take the time, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you this right now. For anybody who's fought Axel a million times in Guilty Gear Strive and have been zoned out to death by all of his buttons and you're like, God, like, I can't get in on this character. Go play Axel and you'll be like, wait, doesn't he have a different move that hits at a better angle? Wait, how come he doesn't have as many moves that I thought he did? If you fight against the zoner and you don't study the zoner and you don't try to see where all their gaps are in all of the moves that they have that attempt to zone you, you will die. <laughs> you are absolutely going to die. So the way that you fight them is find out what all their zoning buttons are, find out which angles you can approach those buttons, and then it's a standard guessing game. If you're running in and trying to get past the zoning and don't understand the zoning tools, you are not playing a guessing game. You are just running in and running into everything. And this is, this is how you end up losing to zoners. You have to study the gaps. I've talked about this in first attack episodes. Attack vectors. Memorize the attack vectors of all of the zoners' moves and find the blind spots. Find your attack vectors that avoid those, that, that take advantage of those blind spots. And that's how you basically take advantage of it. You'd be surprised at how often it's useful when you fight a zoner and you get hit by their move to run away. If you get, like, one of my number one tactics when I fought Dalsim with Zangief in Alpha 3 was if I got zoned by, like, two moves in a row, I ran a screen away. I purposely jumped backwards, and I went a screen away because the Dalsim can't hit you from a screen away anymore. Most zoners cannot hit you at full screen. You have to be careful of stuff like Axel's full screen command throw and stuff like that, and, yes, Cetrion and characters like that who can zap you from a screen away. But in a lot of cases, they can't. So what I'll do is I'll actually jump a screen away and gather myself again. Because the harder I try to press, press in after getting zoned out twice, the easier I become to predict. So I back away, reset the situation, and then try to see what the Dalsim is trying to do at this point. <laughs> right, exactly. Snow Delay says, yeah, a good Dalsim player my local told me to hang out full screen. And I was like, what? Why? How does that help? I'm Cammy versus Dalsim. Yeah, again, once you get a screen away, you can start developing your game plan. If you're in the mix fighting the Dalsim and he has the buttons that can blow you up, like the standing medium kick in Street Fighter V, let's say he does standing medium kick, standing medium kick, standing, and you keep trying to fight this button... Like, you're going to take a lot of unnecessary damage. If you block it and then just say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this, jump backwards, backdash backwards, full screen away, now you have now limited Dalsim's options to those full screen options. Like, let's say you're finding that O'Shermy, right? If you get hit by the orb, again, O'Shermy's farthest orb doesn't hit full screen. So what you do is if you get hit by one of them mid-screen, instead of barreling forward to try to get past the next one, run a screen back. Because now, 
the Shermie has to predict here. She has to guess if you're gonna try to press right at that moment and then she does a far orb and you do nothing, it doesn't do anything. And then after the orb fades away, you start running it. But see what I mean? You have to start getting, if she throws the close orb because you think she thought you were gonna try to press and you went back, you see the close orb, now you barrel your way in. Again, putting yourself a screen away against zoners a lot of times is a great way to reset the situation and force the zoner into a mind game that you are already familiar with. If you understand how they're trying to zone you, and again, zoners generally cannot react to everything to zone you. Zoning is all about prediction. Zoning almost always comes down to hitting the button before you get to that location. Before you get to that location. If we watch that Shermie clip, she was not reacting to the Gato running forward. She was throwing the close orb way before the Gato even started doing anything. These are all predictions. And so zoners have to commit to buttons. If you run a full screen away and let them commit to buttons and maybe even take the opportunity to see the kind of buttons they're hitting and understanding the patterns, like if you see them do straight attack, straight attack, anti-air attack. Then you're like, okay, I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to throw out a bunch of stuff to bait me to jump. And you get an idea of how the opponent plays. Now, obviously, if you fight against a smart zoner, you're going to get zoned the F out and you're going to die. But good on them. Like I said, play the zoner and it's harder than you think. I played Harlequin in Injustice 2. She has this really annoying move where she throws pies over her head and it's an arc and they're really fast and she's got gunshots. There have been rounds where the opponent looked like they couldn't do a goddamn thing. They just ran into all of my hyenas and gunshots and pies. Like, I shot them, I shot them, they're gonna jump, throw a pie, they jump into the pie, throw out a hyena, they get scared, they try to, and it just looked like they couldn't do a damn thing. Then there were some matches where it felt like I could not do a damn thing. It was because I could not predict how the opponent was trying to get in on me. So the thing about zoners is, you have to play a different game against them. You have to understand how to approach them. You have to understand what their moves are, where all their gaps are, and that's how you fight them. The more frustrated you get, the more angry you get, the easier it's going to be for zoners to kill you. Now, we've been talking about zoners. Let's talk about grapplers here. Let's talk about grapplers, because grapplers are almost the same thing. However... It's kind of the opposite thing. You have to become the zoner now when you fight against a grappler. Blocking does not work against grapplers, right? Now, one of the nice things about grapplers these days, in most fighting games, if you predict a command throw and you avoid it, you typically can get a big chunk O damage on the grappler. This was not even the case in older fighting games. <laughs> Okay, it was not even the case in older games like Zangief and Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting where he didn't even have a whiff animation. He just ended up jumping. He just jumped backwards. And so if he missed an SVD, he jumped backwards and you're like, really? But these days, you can actually uh, blow them up. If a command grab animation was short, no one would care about command grabs. I disagree with that. I, I do think that if the uh, they didn't do as much damage, 
maybe people wouldn't care about it. So here's the thing. When you fight against a grappler, I said fighting against the zoner is like playing a shmup. Fighting against the grappler is like playing tower defense. Okay? This is going to sound weird. But instead of thinking of mana resources or energy or whatever the, uh, the tower defense is, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, resource is, your resource when fighting a grappler is a mental stack. You have to dedicate your mental stack to all the different ways a grappler is going to try to get in on you. A lot of that is going to be walk up. A lot of it is going to be trying to scare you by poking buttons. And one of the main ones is going to be jumping. And when you fight a grappler, if you let a grappler jump in on you, most of the time, it's, 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 a, bad, <laughs> it's a bad situation. It's a problem. And so for the standard grapplers I should talk about, like Zangief, like a Potemkin, most of the time you're going to stick your mental stack to the anti-air. This is how you generally fight grapplers. You want to make sure you put more mental stack in the path that gives them the most damage. The nice thing about Zang, uh, uh, grapplers walking in on you, fortunately the SBD input is usually a little bit longer than most other games. Uh, if it was literally like forward to down, if it was a one button SPD, yeah, we've got some issues here because now walking up an SPD is a huge problem um, in terms, and it's why players like Vangief and Snake Eyes are really scary in their, in Street Fighter 4 is because they could blend the walk forward with their SPD motion a lot of times with the analog controllers on their pads and they had all sorts of crazy little tricky ways to get faster SPDs and it was why and then that's why the uh, the, the Zangi spin the Hajiki screw in Super Turbo is such a scary weapon to have as a Zangief player in Super Turbo because it lets you do an SPD in practically like three or four frames. And uh, that's what makes those Zangief players a little bit scarier. But the idea is that you dedicate more mental stack to the anti-air than you do to them approaching on the ground because when they walk in to SPD range, you can usually back off at that point. Or you can jump away. You have enough time to react to that. But to the jump, if you do not react to the jump in time, you're basically dead. <laughs> you're basically dead. Um, it's not fun. Like, when I played Hyper Fighting or Super Turbo, that's my whole thing. Like, when I fight Guile, right? And this is something that a lot of people don't understand about grapplers. Grapplers have it rough, okay? Before I even get to fighting grapplers here, let me tell you something right now. Grappler life is tough. <laughs> the amount of work you have to put in for grapplers, for using grapplers, is beyond, I think, most fighting game archetypes. The amount of mental patience and energy you have to have is ridiculous. When I fight Guile, and keep in mind in hyper fighting, if you block Guile's sonic boom, he pushes you like a fourth of the screen away. He pushes you like a fourth of the screen away, okay? The, the block stun was ridiculous. 
as the Zangief player, I would walk and block like seven Sonic Booms in a row. Because again, like when you're fighting a zoner, when you're a grappler, everybody else is a zoner. Every other character is a zoner, so I'm doing the exact same thing. I can block like 30 Sonic Booms before I die. So I will block seven Sonic Booms in a row. I will walk and block and walk and block and walk and block and walk and block. And trust me, in Street Fighter 2, you didn't get any closer. <laughs> Guile kept you at the same distance because of how far the block stun was. Why would I walk and block, walk and block, walk and block, walk and block, walk and block? The funniest thing about it is the reason why you do that is because eventually the Guile thinks you're going to jump. And they don't throw the sonic boom. And so I just keep walking. So I just took seven Sonic Boom blocks, and then he didn't throw the eighth one. He tried to fake it, and I just kept walking. And if they do throw Sonic Booms and nonstop, then I do get the jump in. I get the jumping light kick into the SPD tick, and there's nothing Guile can do because he's not charged for a flash kick. It's done. And trust me, I played against uh, Duck Doe in Hyper Fighting recently when Mike Watson threw a Hyper Fighting tournament and I beat his Guile with my Zangief. And then one other day I went back to uh, the Super Arcade and he was like, I want the run back, I want the run back. So he played Guile, I played Zangief, I beat him like five games in a row with Zangief versus Guile. This is like an 8-2 matchup, okay? <laughs> like. That fight sucks for Zangief real badly. But that's the whole thing is the amount of patience that you have to play. And yes, Duck Helmet, you're right. Playing a grappler is awful. And this is why it's ironic to me that people hate fighting grapplers so much. They're like, grapplers are cheap. They're completely broken. It is like one of the hardest ways to fight and win in fighting games. And it is so masochistically enjoyable for those of us that play grapplers. Like, I will do that in hyper fighting with Zangief all day because there's just something about it that... Because, again, I blocked that many Sonic Booms in hyper fighting. It took three SPDs to kill you. Guaranteed. I don't think anyone could ever survive more than three SPDs. And so if I block seven Sonic Booms and then I jump over Light Kick SPD one time, I'm ahead in life. And I just keep doing it. It's pot odds. It's pot odds, right? You bet the small damage to get the big damage, right? Sometimes you lose pots to opponents to figure out how they're playing, figure out if they're trying to bluff, figure out if they're trying to trick you. You'd be like, okay, you know what? I'll call this to see what your hand is. Okay, I see the kind of player you are. Now I can beat you on the big pot when I have the right read on you. That's basically the way it goes. And so, uh, <laughs> yes, you know, it's so rewarding when you land SPDs because it really ticks people off when you do. Yes, and again, same situation. The panic ensues. Now, in Street Fighter V, Zangief is... Uh, half grappler, half vortex character, which is a problem because he's not straight up grappler anymore because... Generally, when you're a grappler, you, you, you command grab them, that's it. You got to start again. 
In Street Fighter V, not as much. If he grabs you with EX and heavy SPDs, you're in a vortex. It's annoying. I totally get that. It is very annoying to fight against Zangief, but that is the nature of Street Fighter V. And again, if you don't understand how Zangief works in Street Fighter V, that's a problem. If you don't understand the difference between heavy SPD, medium SPD, and light SPD. If Zangief ever light SPDs you and you don't quick rise, and if he dashes, you don't check him, you don't understand Zangief. If Zangief ever light SPDs you, you're good. That is the end for Zangief. If Zangief gets you with a light SPD, that is the end of his mix-ups, okay? That is something you have to understand. If he grabs you with a heavy SPD, he's only got certain mix-up. If he makes you block into an SPD, it has to be a medium SPD. If it's a medium SPD, he gets different mix-ups afterwards. And then if he ticks you again, it can only be into the light SPD, you're safe. That is why Zangiefs have to use EX SPD, is because it is the one that has the range and puts you back into Vortex Stage 1. That's why Zangiefs want to EX SPD you. And uh, again, if you don't understand a lot of this stuff, if you don't understand the mix-ups of it, you're going to get destroyed by Zangief because you're going to panic. You're going to think every spinning pile driver is the same. You're going to wake up with a backdash and the opponent knows it. They heavy kick. They crush counter you. EX Air SPD, stage one of the Vortex. You're panicking. You're like, what do I do? He does low short as a meaty. You get hit. You're like, ah, because you try to walk backwards and then he ticks into an SVD. You don't know what's going on. He dashes forward when he shouldn't have dashed forward for free. You're panicking still. He meaty SPDs you because you're scared to touch a button because last time you got hit and et cetera, et cetera. The exact same thing happens when you're fighting against a grappler as with when you're fighting against a zoner. Once you panic, you become easier to predict and you're basically dead. <laughs> you are basically dead, right? Also, against grapplers, it can feel like there's no lesser evil. You try to defend one thing, the other does just as much of a demoralizing amount of damage. Yes, opposite of the opposite of zoners. But that's their design. They are supposed to do damage when they get in on you because, again... I blocked seven sonic booms without getting any <laughs> further forward and I still won. Playing grapplers requires so much patience and so much willingness to take damage. You just have to take damage. And it's interesting because Grapplers are weaker than they've ever been. And I know this is going to suck to hear, but grapplers are weaker than they've ever been. Uh, Zangief's SPD in hyperfighting and in super turbo is one frame. If he does a reversal SPD, he beats every meaty that you put into him. Like you just. Zangief in Street Fighter 4 had an EX SPD, which was Invul <laughs> in its first startup frames. So you couldn't meaty him. Like, grapplers are so much more rush-downable in today's fighting games than they've ever been in the history of fighting games. Grapplers currently are in the weakest state they've ever been in fighting game history. Think about that for a second. You can rush them down so easily now.
Grapplers never used to have that problem. Grapplers used to have the benefit that you couldn't Oki a grappler. My mouse fell. And that was the strength of the grappler. That was the benefit they got for being a weak archetype. That was their weakness for being a weak archetype. Now, <laughs> Proud Soul, uh, new arc, new grappler, uh, modern Zangief, modern Potemkin, you know, those kind of characters. Like, modern Potemkin, he just gets rushed to death. His his SPD is a six-frame startup. Why, why, why did they make his SPD a seven-frame startup, man? Like, come on. <laughs> he can't do anything anymore. Zangief has no reversal SPD. He just doesn't. He just doesn't have it. You can throw a meaty into Zangief and there's like nothing Zangief can do unless he's got a super. He has, he could only super you, right? Now, <laughs> Proud Soul asked the great question, what about KOF grapplers? KOF grapplers are a completely different story. <laughs> Most of them are barely grapplers themselves. In fact, King of Dinosaurs might be the closest thing to being a, just a pure grappler in KOF. But if I'm playing Clark, it's not much of a grappler. And the other thing too is if you hate grapplers, you would better hate the F out of Rock. Because Rock is one of the most annoying grapplers in fighting game history. Because he has everything <laughs> that grapplers wish they had. He has a DP, he has a rushdown, he has combos. If he hits you with his SPD, he gets to drain a crap ton of life off of you and everything. Rock is a problem, okay? Rock is what happens if you give grapplers way too much. <laughs> And again, the things that I've talked about on how to fight these characters is typically if they are designed correctly. We do have situations where we played Accent Core and Potemkin, God, Potemkin was such a problem in Accent Core. Holy crap. He basically got to loop you forever. If he hits you with the earthquake move, which was the slide head, which was supposed to help him get in, he could actually combo you off of that into a mix-up. Because if he did, uh, if he did uh, Heat Knuckle, before Heat Knuckle required you to input an input to do the follow-up where he shoots you a screen away, and if he chose not to do that, you fell straight down on a hard knockdown, and he got mix-ups on you. So if he slide-headed you, he would dash forward, cancel, kick you off the ground, which would go into a full OTG. His crouching slash used to vacuum you in, so it always puts you in range for crouch heavy punch into heat knuckle. Don't do the follow-up. You drop straight down, and now you're in the mix-up. There's a perfect example of when, when a grappler is too strong, nobody has fun. <laughs> Accent Corp Potemkin sucked the fun out of all fighting games. I will tell you that so much. Yeah, Kraken. Yeah, basically that's the danger. When you turn a grappler into more of a set play character than, it, than, than they are grapplers. Even characters like Abel and Laura were less grapplers. They're kind of that weird hybrid grappler archetype. Zangief is still like probably the most true grappler uh, in the game <laughs> with an FRC point as well. Yep. And so, it is, yes, obviously grapplers and zoners can become too strong, but when they are, 
you will notice that it is very, very obvious when grapplers and zoners are good. Because when grapplers and zoners are the best characters in the game, everyone plays them and they win. <laughs> they win very, very easily. <laughs> so, yes, Injustice 1. Superman killed everybody because he just sh jumped up and shot lasers. I think it was Zod, right? Zod was like stupid as a zoner as well. You know, it's very clear when grapplers and zoners are good. But that's the craziest thing is we're in this era right now where, you know, people hate on Potemkin. People hate on Alex. Those are like the two worst characters in Strive right now. Like, literally, Axel and Potemkin are the two characters most talked about for being the worst character in Strive right now. They're not even very good. <laughs> if you're losing to them, it is because you're trying to play the normal fighting game. And the reason why Grapplers and Zoners are so fascinating to me is because they create different win conditions. I miss the fact that I, like right now, what is a fighting game? Get a knockdown, what's your mix up? Mix them up. That's like all fighting games right now. You know what I miss? I miss Ryu DPing you out of the air and on meaty he threw a fireball. I don't want a mix up. I just want to chuck fireballs and push you a screen away. I actually miss that because it was a different win condition. I miss chip death. Because chip death was a different win condition. Right now, a lot of fighting games are hard knockdown in the mix-up. Hard knockdown in the mix-up. Almost every fighting game these days play kind of that way. And it's why I like playing grapplers and zoners. Because they create a different kind of game. And that's the thing, that's what makes fighting games interesting to me, is when you have these different archetypes fighting against each other. And so while I'm sitting here trying to tell you how to fight grapplers or how hard the life of a grappler really is, and again, if a grappler is designed right, it's very easy to zone them out because they're slow, they usually don't have as much movement, their buttons usually aren't as strong. I mean, again, in hyper fighting and super turbo, Zangief has probably one of the best sweeps in fighting game history okay Zangief's sweep in old Street Fighter 2 games is ridiculous it is literally probably one of the greatest sweeps in fighting game history and Zangief was low tier in like every game <laughs> this is how much work it takes to win with these kind of characters <laughs> Happy Chaos is a good zoner, but he's better as a rushdown these days. He does have zoning capabilities. The thing that makes Happy Chaos a little bit too strong, I think, is just a, a miscalculation on his uh, focus shot into reload. And also the fact that he doesn't die as badly as Axel and other and characters like Axel and Zato do. Happy Chaos should have no guts. Like, Happy Chaos should literally have no guts. Nago should have lower guts than he really does. So, <laughs> uh, I usually think of zoners as having to commit to their long normals and pokes, which is the opposite of Happy Chaos. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the other thing, too.
Happy ca- look, you get you give a character a gun in Guilty Gear, they're top tier, all right? See Elfelt in Exert. <laughs> See Elfelt in Exert. So Mika still explodes you. Interestingly enough, Lurker Spine, I can tell you how to fight Mika. I can tell you how to fight Mika, and it's 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 very clear how you fight Mika. Because if you are in danger of getting uh command grabbed by Mika, you've already lost. She won already. The way that you kill Mika in Street Fighter V is you never let her get started, right? And that's one of the things. She's another hybrid grappler. Same thing with Abel. How did Abel get started? By getting into stand light kick range. Standing light kick was his measuring stick. If he could hit you with standing light kick, you were in a range for step kick. Have fun. If you let Abel get to that range, you've already lost. <laughs> you've already lost. And that's the whole thing. With Mika, it's the exact same thing. Mika is not just rock, paper, scissors to the max, Snow Delay. Mika is so powerful at one specific distance. If you get away from that distance, Mika has a problem. So when you fight Mika, it's not about how do I guess when I get knocked down, because if you get knocked down, you lost already. It's, how do I make sure Mika never gets to her magic distance? And trust me, she has a magic, 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 magic distance. Good grief, 700 messages. Let me show you Mika's magic distance over here, shall, shall we? Let's show you Mika's magic distance. And for those of you who are watching at, who are listening, sorry again that this has been such a visual episode. I'm trying my best to describe everything that's happening over here. Let me also turn the volume down on this. Here we go. Mika? is about this. This is Mika. This is Mika's entire game right here. If you let Mika get here, you've lost. This is Mika right here. If she gets about one, two, three bodies away from you, you've lost. So if you're fighting against Mika, you wanna be either closer or further away from here. Why is this a problem? Dash command grab. She's got my controller is hitting buttons that it's not supposed to. She's got drop kick. She's got crouching heavy punch into command grab. She's got jump attack. She's got dash at this range. She's got dash into button. At this range, she can poke away like this and whiff punish you. This is what you are trying to get away from because you do not want to get into the range of her charge drop kick. If you stay at this range, her charge drop kick misses. If you stay closer so that you can beat her up, you're good. As soon as you let her get into this range right here, you're basically lost. This is what you have to watch for, for Mika. And that's it. Like, this will help you fight Mika. This will improve your anti-Mika game by like 10,000. 
if you just make sure you try to avoid this distance as much as possible. If you let Mika walk up to this range right here, if you record the dummy to either drop kick, dash up command throw, or jump at you like this and put them all on random, you will lose to the training mode dummy. You will lose to the training mode. Yeah, her crouching heavy punch used to be a lot better. But my point is, if you're already in the mix-up where you're blocking Lady Mika, or if you are not sure what to do because she's point-blank next to you, hitting you with close strong, you've already lost somewhere earlier in the match. You've already lost. Like, the way to beat Mika is to prevent her from ever getting into that range, basically. And that's the idea of fighting Mika. <laughs> Trust me, that'll improve your game against Mika. If she's already put you in the mix-up, your mindset should be, congratulations on you because you got in on me. I made a mistake. Not, this sucks. Because it's supposed to suck. If Mika, when she got in on you, didn't make it feel like it sucked, Mika is the worst character in the game. Her problem is getting into that distance at all. And again, kind of that grappler mentality, right? You've got to fight your way into this range to be able to be a threat. And uh, right, Mika corner pressure is her reward for getting in. People ask me the same thing all the time. How do I get out of this mix-up? My answer is, if I could answer that question, it's not a mix-up. And it's one of my favorite axioms of fighting games. If I can tell you how to avoid a mix-up, it's not a mix-up and the opponent should never do it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's the answer right there. So uh, you just have to know what their options are and guess, because that's fighting games. If you think fighting games isn't about guessing, you're wrong. Fighting games is, is about guessing and it's about conditioning. It's about getting you to become predictable because you've panicked. Because a lot of what I've talked about, about the panic situation, you know, in Street Fighter V, you'll notice that when you get knocked down in Street Fighter V, it's scarier than most games. And it's because kind of everybody is a grappler in Street Fighter V. Because you can't tech a throw on reaction, right? You have to predict tech, and that opens you up to the shimmy. And so what happens is, in Street Fighter V, it's very easy to get thrown into that panic the same way you do against a grappler because throws are so effective. Again, blocking doesn't work as well in Street Fighter V as it does in a lot of other fighting games. Street Fighter V is one of the most unrewarded games for blocking in fighting game history. And that is the reason why whenever you play Street Fighter V, it's so easy to panic and feel stressed out. It's because blocking doesn't work. And that goes back to exactly why grappler archetypes and zoning archetypes are so annoying because blocking doesn't work. As much as people don't like to block at lower levels, the panic block is still a very early learned skill. And when that doesn't work, especially against grapplers and zoners, it's frustrating and you end up hating them. But again, play as, I talked about how annoying it is to play a grappler and how hard it is and how much work you really have to put into winning with a grappler. Again, Potemkin's like the worst character in Guilty Gear right now. I mean, I really honestly think he's the worst character in Guilty Gear 
right now. Um, again, that's a good sign because he's not a bad character. We're talking relative here. Potemkin's still like a B plus tier. Is he like the worst character in the game? Probably, but he could still win, which is a good sign. Which is a good sign. Difference between being the worst character in the game and actually being bad in the game. But again, as much as you get the panic fighting against the grappler and how, how much work it is, it's the same thing for zoners. It's a lot of work playing zoners because in a different way, you have to be so patient as a zoner because you aren't getting the damage. Like if you're Dalsim and you, or let's not use Dalsim again because Dalsim is cheap in Street Fighter V and he's a rushdown character. If you're Axel and you hit someone with a like towards light kick, you're like, cool, neat, right? I mean, if you if they run into your crouching heavy slash, neat. Now, it is nice that a lot of times you can get the like crouching slash into the towards light kick into the sonic boom or whatever, you know, combos that you can get. But again, there's a lot of frustration with zoners. I mean, you've seen it when me and David used to commentate Street Fighter 4. What do we always say about Dalsum, right? That's the life you chose. You see Dalsum, zone, 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 zone. 90% of the opponent's life gone. Opponent gets in one time, Dalsum dies. <laughs> like, there's a lot of frustration being a zoner as well. <laughs> there is a huge frustration factor being a zoner because you put in so much goddamn work and then they got in and then you just melted and then the game <laughs> ends and you're like god damn it I put so much goddamn work but again if you are fighting a zoner and like in that clip that I showed you with the Gato versus the the Shermie again when I point out to you exactly what that Shermie did it's so obvious all of a sudden and it, like when you watch it without any like thought process to it you're like god this zoning's cheap but as soon as i point it out to the fact that it's far close far close far close far okay i got to hit you there all right close far close far okay one more far close far close far <laughs> Like, as soon as I point that out to you, you realize, like, how much it takes for the zoner to actually predict. And the frustration makes it that much easier for her to accomplish what it is that she wants to do. So again, zoners and grapplers are both very difficult archetypes to play yeah i mean that's you know what prowler px this is a great example let me tell you how daigo beat one of the best american dalsum players one time at evo he was using ryu ryu versus dalsum one of the worst matchups in the game dalsum destroys ryu okay dalsum like dalsum ryu is a shitty shitty matchup okay do you know how daigo fought dalsum in that game you know what he did? Because, like, there's a game right there where Dalsum can kind of cover almost every area and not be punished very easily. The way Daigo beat this Dalsum player was he literally did light DP from a full screen away. Light DP, light DP, light DP, light DP, light DP, light DP, light DP until he got a super. The Dalsum player 
hit him from a full screen away with standing heavy punch out of like four or five of those DPs. Daigo just did another DP, he got hit. Daigo did another DP, he got hit. Daigo did another DP, he got hit, and now he had a super meter. And now all of a sudden, the Dalsum was scared to throw a fireball. And because of that, Daigo could approach from the front. He literally sacrificed like 40% of his life to get a super meter to scare the Dalsum from being able to zone. And then he would run in there and he very rarely used the super. And it was the threat of the super more, more than the super itself that got him the win. I wonder, is this match on YouTube? Here. I'm gonna take a look here. This might actually be the match here. Let's take a look. Oh god, this video quality. Jesus Christ. <laughs> look at the video quality, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god, we're all gonna die from motion sickness. Aren't you glad we're on consoles these days? DP, DP. DP, 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 DP. All right, now the fighting game has begun. Look, Spence is scared to throw fireballs. And that's how, got a knockdown, I'm in. Guess what, time for you to die. You can't get away. I have a super that's threatening. Okay, got you. Like, this is how Daigo fought the zoner. This is one of Ryu's worst matchups. Watch, round two. What does Daigo do? Okay, Tatsu, DP, 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 get hit, DP, whatever. DP, all right, now the fight has begun. Do you know the amount of work that Spence has to do to try to win this fight? It sucks. <laughs> Oh, I baited you into trying to throw me. Now you're scared. Now, guess what? You're Dalsum. You have no defense. I'm just going to beat you up. And you know what? You know what the crazy thing is? Show me where Daigo used that super. Daigo never used the super. <laughs> Having the super on deck as a threat was more powerful than using the super itself. And so this is what I mean. When you fight a Dalsim, when you fight zoners, the more you panic, the more you try to get in on them, the more you actually get frustrated, the easier it is for you to die. Daigo literally didn't care. He was like, I'm just gonna build a super. And that's the end, that's the end of it. Uh, oh, I mean, Dalsim, so, Dalsum's teleport and ST is a problem because there's there was no plinking. You couldn't plink it. You had to hit all three buttons on the same frame. And if you didn't hit all three buttons on the same frame, it wouldn't come out. That's why Zangief Lariat is so hard to do. In all modern fighting games these days, they make it so that you could actually plink some of those a little bit. And you couldn't in the old games. They had to be one frame perfect. And that's why 
you it was so much harder to do those things anything that required three punches and three kicks they had to be hit on literally the same frame otherwise it wouldn't come out and in fact on the playstation one version of super turbo they changed it so you could plink the buttons into lariat and they also changed it so that lariat could be done with two punches and in fact when we played on the PlayStation 1 version, that killed Kuni, who was one of the best Zangief players in Street Fighter 2 history. That killed Kuni because he did all of his SPDs by 360 plink two buttons. And so what happened was that way he could make sure he got proper reversal timing on his SPD. But now on this PlayStation 1 version, that muscle memory led to Lariat and he would die. So he would do standing light kick, lariat. Because he would do 360, plink, two punches, and he would come out with the lariat because they added all that leniency into the PlayStation 1 version. It actually ended up killing Cooney <laughs> as a result. And I remember him complaining about it. He was like, I can't play on this version because I can't SPD the way that I always did. <laughs> And so uh, that's that's kind of the the there's there's just a lot of random dude. There's so much history in fighting games, dude. It's so fun. There's so much stories to tell and stuff. But essentially, back to the subject at hand again. The amount of work that zoners and grapplers have to do is high. And what's interesting that is that if you learn not to hate grapplers and zoners as much, if you learn to accept that the amount of work that those characters have to put in is inordinately higher than most other characters, depending on the game, depending on the game, because some games, yes, the zoners or the grapplers can't be broken, but for the most part, in Street Fighter V and in a game like Guilty Gear Strive, uh, the zoners and grapplers are not broken. If you accept the fact that they do actually take that much work for you to get to, for them to win that allows you to fight them better too because now you're understanding the kind of game that they have to play like i said i never finished the example of the tower defense thing with uh grapplers you know you're playing a tower defense there's a few different ways that zangief's gonna get in in street fighter 5 let's pretend he doesn't have the vortex let's pretend that his spds drop him a full screen away like he always did right what are his attack vectors dash in spd dash in button knee button jump attack button right like and then try to scare you with buttons the reason why geef was annoying in street fighter 4 is because he had ex green hand and again ex green hand one of the stupidest moves ever created in fighting game history no grappler should ever it's a horizontal dp of course zangief players want the ex green hand back because it's literally a horizontal dp <laughs> Every character in every fighting game would benefit from a horizontal DP. Every character would benefit. It is the laziest special move archetype in all of fighting game history. The horizontal DP. Laziest fighting game move design ever. And so Zangief was really annoying in 4 for that reason, but that was one of his attack vectors. Light kick, 
in the EX green hand. But that's the thing. If you're fighting Zangief and he doesn't have the meter, right? Or let's say he has four meters. Then you know he has EX green hand into red focus and life really sucks at that point in time. And it's really, really scary. But then what happens is that's like if you're playing a tower defense and let's say one of the lanes is the ground approach and one of the lanes is the jump approach, right? You've put your best towers, you've used your resources to buff up the tower in the jumping lane. And so everything that's dying up there, but then all of a sudden on the ground lane, this giant ogre shows up and you know this ogre has way more hit points than anything that's in the top in the jump lane. So now what you've got to do is take all of your resources and start putting it into the ground lane. That's kind of the situation that happens when Zangief, for example, gets meter, right? So now all of a sudden you have to be scared. If Zangief has an EX SPD available to him, you have to put a little bit more of the resources into the bottom lane. You have to sacrifice your anti-air resources a little bit by actually putting a little bit more into the ground because now walk-up EX SPD is a big problem. In Street Fighter 4, if you had a full bar, now light kick into EX green hand became a big problem. So now you dedicate more resources to the ground lane because you can't just throw out buttons willy-nilly because if you get whiff punished, you die. And that's kind of how you have to fight grapplers. Viper versus, and again, here's another thing too, is that every game that comes out, the grappler is always going to be the best character at the beginning. Always. Always. There, I, I cannot tell you a case where this hasn't been the situation. Grapplers will be every character at the start because nobody knows their character enough yet. When Street Fighter 4 first came out, Viper versus Zangief was considered one of Viper's worst matchups. By the end of Vanilla Street Fighter 4, Zangief could not beat Viper. <laughs> he could not beat Viper. It was a bad matchup for Zangief. Nothing changed. People just figured out how to zone Zangief a lot better. Seismo faint, seismo faint, ground pound, ground pound, seismo faint, seismo faint, ground pound, ground pound, kick, oh, he jumped fake. Thunder Knuckle, Seismo Fate, Seismo Fate, Seismo Fate, Seismo Fate, Ground Pound, Seismo Fate, Ground Pound, and then like Zangief couldn't do anything anymore. We didn't know how to do that with Viper back in the day, so she just like when the game first came out, so we just murdered Vipers as Zangief players. Plus, Zangief was kind of dumb in Vanilla Street Fighter 4, but even still, with basically very minimal changes that affected that matchup, it completely 180'd into Viper's favor. Grapplers are always gonna be strong at the start of a fighting game. And it's why you have to be careful about balancing grapplers based off of early results. It's why you cannot nerf Potemkin based on the beta. That's why you can't nerf Potemkin based on the beta. Even if that version of Potemkin existed right now in Guilty Gear Strive, he's probably the worst character in the game. Still, still, trust me. Once we figure out the game a lot more, what is this video power, power Prowler PX? What do we have over here? 
Yeah, Ladiva got nerfed to hell, quick. right? Yeah. Oh, it's just a Ryu compilation. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, Ladiva in Grand Blue, she got nerfed to hell. And there was no reason to do that. Again, grapplers are always going to be strong. By nature of their design, it's hard to keep them out because you don't know what your character can do yet. And as soon as you figure it out, the whole idea of defeating a grappler is never letting them get in. So like I said, in that Mika example that I showed earlier, if they've gotten in, you've already lost and made a mistake. That's their reward. Again, that's the nature of Street Fighter V, right? That's why Zangief has a vortex. If Zangief did not have a vortex, Zangief is the most useless piece of shit in Street Fighter V in the world. Street Fighter V is predicated on having this kind of pressure mix-up. So Zangief has to have that, otherwise he's a useless character because he doesn't fit in the archetype of Street Fighter V. But again, if the Zangiefs, if, if you block a jump attack from a Zangief, you made a mistake already. There was something wrong already. Let me tell you about Cammy versus T-Hawk in Super Turbo. Like, T-Hawk literally can't hit Cammy's crouching medium kick. So she just does crouching medium kick buffer a DP, crouching medium kick buffer a DP, crouching medium kick buffer a DP. If T-Hawk jumps over the crouching medium kick, you hit the button in DP. That's the match. It's a 9-1 match. Like, literally, T-Hawk cannot do anything to Cammy. That might be the worst match in all of Super Turbo is Cammy versus T-Hawk. Might be the worst matchup in the entire fighting game. But again, that's just the nature of fighting game characters. That is the nature of grapplers on how much work you have to put in and win. But the idea is you just have to understand where the grappler wants to get in on you and stop that from happening in the first place. You have to become a zoner. You do have to play less reactive and throw out buttons preemptively a little bit more. Show them your card. So show them the kick, the punch that hits up here. If you're Chun-Li, throw out a heavy kick. Yes, can Zangief crouch under it and sweep you? Absolutely. Does that mean you should never not do the button? No. Because if you're Chun-Li, you throw that out a couple of times, and what you're doing now is discouraging Zangief from jumping. Because that kick covers that entire space, and it also covers him trying to walk in a little bit closer. So as Chun-Li, you're not trying to whiff punish or react it. You throw out a couple of heavy kicks. <laughs> like that. And now the Zangief's like, shit, that's a danger zone. I can't jump. I have to come in from the low. And now you've convinced him to try to come in from the ground and now you can zone him out with the towards medium punch buttons or fireball or watch him whiff and whiff punish him with an EX legs because he's trying to stop the heavy kick. And then once after a while you start beating him on the ground, the Zangief player's gonna be like, crap, I can't get on the ground, I gotta jump. Now you throw out the heavy kick a couple of times again. He jumps into the heavy kick, he gets hit, back to the same pattern. Now you're doing what the O Shermie did to that Gato player, but now you're the zoner fighting the grappler because you're causing the grappler to panic and do all the obvious things. Again, 
What happens if you fight a smarter grappler player? Well, then you lose or you be smarter to them. Hey, guess what? That's fighting games. <laughs> That's fighting games. Your, your opponent is smarter than you, most likely they'll win. Not always the case depending on the matchup and the game, but most of the time your opponent's smarter than you, they'll win. And that's how you have to understand fighting grapplers and zoners. They do not deserve the amount of hate that they get, okay? And again, I know it's easy to hate them, and it's because you can't block against them. I forgot to talk about Guile. Guile, ugh, Guile is a problem because he charges flash kicks so fast in Street Fighter V. But the thing that makes Guile really scary in Street Fighter V, you'll learn is less to do with Sonic Booms and uh, the only series where grapplers are not low tier is Tekken, also KOF, uh, Song Hung. Uh, obviously, Dinosaur is not considered one of the best characters in the game and stuff like that, but characters like Clark, Rock, Iori, like, they might as well be grapplers, okay? They might as well be grapplers. But the thing that makes Street Fighter V Guile a problem is, as Snow Delay says, it's the walk speed and the normals. If he didn't have the Sobat kick, if he didn't have the good knees, uh, and really able to fight that neutral space really, really well. Guile could zone you with Sonic Booms all day. You walk him to the corner and he dies. Guile wins in Street Fighter V, largely not due to the zoning, largely due to the fact that he can kind of do both, kind of like Dalsim can. If his only strength was his zoning, you could walk block all of his Sonic Booms and put him into the corner and then murder him every single time because corner equals death in Street Fighter V. It's the fact that Guile can fight so well in the neutral is what makes Guile much harder to deal with in Street Fighter V. I have an easier time fighting the zoning happy Guiles than I do the Guiles that can actually switch between the offense and the defense uh, a lot. Yeah, exactly. Back light kick. He knees you at just the right distance. He's plus. He's charged for a sonic boom. It sucks. <laughs> and so that's the thing, right? That's what makes Guile strong in Street Fighter V. It's not a zoning. Same thing with Dalsim. What makes Dalsim strong? It's not a zoning. In Street Fighter V, there is no zoning character. Most zoning characters zone from about half a screen away. Like Falk zoning, she doesn't zone from a screen away. Lucia Fireball zoning, she doesn't zone from a screen away. They've purposely designed Street Fighter V so that nobody is effective from full screen. Nobody's effective from full screen. Not a single character works from full screen. And it makes me sad. Again, I like variety. I like different archetypes. One of the beautiful things about having projectiles in fighting games is that every distance matters. Whereas when you play a game like Tekken, it's like you basically have to be right next to the opponent, right? The distance is more biding time. Uh, I like that about games. That's why I like Marvel, because it's not only distance matters, but height matters. 
as well, right? Where, where you're attacking from. I, I, that part about fighting games, the spacing, the, the, the relation to each other is one of my favorite things. It's why I do like playing zoners. So that Orochi's Shermi example, that's the reason why I play Anacharis in Vampire Savior, because he can drop a column at six different, he can drop a sarcophagus at six different distances. And my favorite thing in the world was just to jump in the air and drop sarcophagi on people and they would just run into the close one like that Gato kept doing to the Orochi Shermi. It's like one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't win games. It just doesn't win games. Again, Anacharis is the worst character in, in Vampire Savior. Um, but that's the thing. If you learn to understand what zoners and grapplers are actually trying to do, and if you understand how to take advantage of it. Like I said, if you're playing against a zoner, it's a shmup. Learn what the dead zones are on all the buttons. This happens to me every time I die to a zoner and I go and test the zoner out in training mode, I always feel like that zoner has half the moves than I got hit by. And I'm like, I know I got hit by a move that covered this space. That move didn't exist. Is I didn't understand the gaps. I didn't understand the spacing. I didn't understand the character. I got frustrated. And so everything felt like it was hitting everywhere. Learn where the gaps are in the zoner, uh, zoner's attacks are. And like I said, go play the zoner. Like I said, it'll feel like they have half the moves than when you fought against them. It's crazy. It happens every time. When you fight against a grappler, learn how to zone them out. Understand how much they have to get in and how much patience you have to have to be able to chip away at their life. You're not necessarily gonna get to do big damage on the grappler because it's gonna be an anti-air. They're gonna run into a standing heavy kick. It's not gonna be a lot of damage, but you have to have that patience. If you are already in the mix-up, if the grappler has you in a set play situation, you've made a mistake somewhere else. That's what you need to shore up. That's what you need to fix. When they're in on you, they have to have an advantage. If the grappler gets in on you and their command grab mix-up sucks, they are a useless character. But the key is, grapplers have to get in on you. That is where the difficulty comes in for the grappler. If the grappler has made it in, you've already made a mistake. Understand that and it'll help you fight grapplers a lot more because yes, once they're in, it sucks. It feels like a useless situation. Alex does towards heavy punch. He's plus three. He does another towards heavy punch. He's plus three. What am I supposed to do? He does towards heavy punch. You thought he was going to command grab. You touch a button. You get crush countered. You lose this giant ton of life. Well, the mistake was that Alex got in on you. How did Alex get in on you? Figure that part out. That's how you fight the grappler. And that's where the tower defense comes in. Right? That's why I make it similar to a tower defense. Because in, let's just say in an extreme example, if even one ogre gets through the tower defense, you lose the game. That's how you have to treat it. If the grappler got in on you, you've already lost. So when you fight against the grappler, make sure you have that tower defense mindset to prevent them from getting in on you. That's the idea of how to fight grapplers. And again, a good idea of why it takes so much work for grapplers to actually win. And uh, yeah, at this point in time, I feel like I'm just basically repeating myself. So I'll go ahead and 
end that discussion. So <laughs> anybody have any questions or any comments or anything? Uh, is this eye-opening to a lot of people? Has this helped people understand a little bit more on how to fight uh, those characters? Uh, the whole reason he plays Guile is literally because they nerfed his main. Yeah, that definitely happened to Daigo. <laughs> that definitely happened to Daigo because they ruined Ryu, which sucks. Yeah, but again, you know, David has talked about this on Twitter a lot. I've talked about this too. Humanizing your opponents helps a lot in fighting games. You know, you know actually compliment things that your opponents do to you, even though they're not there to hear you say it. Like, David has talked about that a lot. Like, being like, oh, nice mix-up, blah, 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 blah. If you realize how much work the grapplers and zoners have to go through to beat you, in most cases, in most cases, it makes it so that it's easier to beat grapplers and zoners. When you realize the amount of work and how much you're playing into their predictions by panicking, it sucks. That, that will make you fight them a lot easier. Again, panicking is the worst thing you could do. And yes, you're going to guess wrong against the grappler. And you're going to lose a crap ton of life. And it sucks. But if you let that get to you, instead of thinking to yourself, good shit, he got in on me. He got his reward. I can still kill him because he's a grappler. That's going to help you a lot. <laughs> How do I think grapplers were fair, fair and operate in Street Fighter 6 with the drive mechanic? That's a really good question. It depends on what's cancelable. Like, if Zangief has a far sweep that's cancelable into it, and he gets a heavy kick, block stun, cancelled, and the drive cancelled, that's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. But if that's the case, then probably what you would do to fight Zangief a lot is concentrate on draining his drive meter, right? There's probably gonna be ways built in that lets you do that. And so you can probably keep him out, try to force him to keep using his drive resource, but now he has to be scared because he's gonna be almost in uh, stamina break and we've seen how bad that is when, when you hit exhaustion. <laughs> you can die really, really bad. And so uh, we'll see. Again, it's too early to say because we don't know what Zangief's going to be able to cancel or what moves that he has, or even if Zangief is in the game, right? Spoilers be damned. Do we even know if Zangief's going to be in the game? We have no idea, right? We have, we have no idea. <laughs> Nobody spoil anything in the chat in case somebody else doesn't want to get spoiled. We don't know if Zangief's even in the game. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, treat grapplers. Whichever grapplers they put in the game, who knows? Maybe Abel comes back. Hmm. But, yeah. Um, that's just generally the nature. Uh, the game systems are going to affect it a lot, right? I mean, again... Hashtag buff Potemkin, man. They added two system mechanics into Guilty Gear and none of, in the Season 2, and none of them helped Potemkin at all. They both hurt him. Well, one of them hurt him because everyone else got it except him. The other one actually literally hurt him, which made me sad. But, um, again, it's just... Um, 
Buff Potemkin, please. Give him something in Guilty Gear Strive, please. 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 Please hashtag Buff Potemkin. Make Mega Fist minus four. Give, make it minus four in, like it was in every other Guilty Gear instead of minus six. You make it minus four, he's still kind of useless. At least he can't get punished by everybody. Anyways, I'm not going to turn this into a save Potemkin uh, stream over here. So, Dude, even Snake Eyes says it's rough. When I was complaining about Potemkin to Marvello, like Sp Snake Eyes came in here and liked like every tweet that I wrote. And then he put out that uh, difficulty to use chart and it was like Potemkin as the highest difficulty. And then like he added like 25 rows of blank and then like under that was like smash your face into the keyboard and like every other character was there. <laughs> uh, I don't want him to get Tager's ability because I actually don't like Tager's system. I don't think Tager's magnet was as interesting as I, I felt like it should have been. Tager's Magnet felt more set play to me than it was like a uh, neutral utility tool. Um, what do you think they need to do to make Street Fighter 6 as popular as Street Fighter 4? I feel like they're doing a good job with it. it. It sounds like a lot of, I mean, one, the game looks much better. A lot of one player content is gonna be really important. Uh, it sounds like they're just smashing as much content in the game. Uh, so I think that I think that the game is in a good spot. The character designs are really cool. Kimberly and Jury are really awesome so far. And you know, Luke, like they designed him to be a douchebag. And so like I think it's kind of hilarious that their newest protag is actually supposed to be an idiot. Like, and then Jamie's actually really, really cool. Uh, these posters here are uh, Udon. Street Fighter Cross Darkstalkers posters that I got from FocusAttack.com. They are no longer available at FocusAttack.com. I can't find them on the Udon site either, so I do not think that they are being printed anymore. They announced the Luke story mode. I mean, they said there's like that whole one player campaign where you run through Metro City as a like avatar character and level up and stuff like that so it might even be better than an arcade mode honestly mm. yeah nathan making love to the mic that's what he always does but yeah again um grapplings and zoners are a lot of work they're fun because like i said my favorite thing about them is that they create a different wind condition one of my most favorite thing guile's crouching medium kick alone kills Zangief, right? Zangief can whiff punish it from the right ranges, but if you're a smart guy, you just don't throw out the crouching medium kick at those ranges, but sometimes you gotta try to... Walk up SPD in Street Fighter 2 when you have scared your opponent well enough that you can walk up and SPD them and they're just blocking the whole time is one of the absolute most endorphin producing things that happens in fighting game. It'll just be, it's just, I mean, Potemkin the same thing. If I can walk up to you and you're just blocking and I care a pop buster you, one of the greatest feelings in the world because you know that you have scared the opponent from hitting a button somehow so much that they let you walk in and command throw them and it's fantastic. 
It is fast. I mean, I hope they put in an arcade mode. They should have an arcade mode in there because, I mean, obviously not having one in Street Fighter V was a problem. If there's not just a mode where you just fight computers and get an ending, it's probably an issue. So hopefully they do have that in there. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. So, um... We don't know, Muddle Wait. We have no idea. We have no idea what's in that game just yet, so. <laughs> Walk up SPD is like doing 10 wave dash and Tekken, then electric wing gone fist and it connects. Basically, yeah. It's just it's just one of those like, yeah, I I read you and it's great. It's great. If there's no arcade mode, my brother isn't buying the Well, I'll tell him not to buy the game because there's no reason. Because that's all he did in Street Fighter 4. He, he just got the game, and then he just beat the game with every character, and that was fun for him, so. Oh, man. But, yeah, if the World Tour mode is there, I'm sure it'll help a lot. Again, it's all speculation, and it's it's. I know people like to speculate about these kind of things. I generally don't like to speculate about it because, to me, it's really pointless to talk about what could or what could have been or whatever like that, so... We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Jigglypuff is interesting. Jigglypuff is the most uh, footsy kind of character in in Melee because she really is more about spacing and kind of reading the opponent and such. But yeah, they can kill at such a low percent with rest. It's true. It's true. I, I can't speak enough to about Jigglypuff because uh, I'm no Melee expert. So I, that's all I'll say about the character. But I enjoy watching Jigglypuff because I love the the kind of spacing and distancing that she gets to play with the fair uh, and the float. But I know a lot of people hate it. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, if there's no other questions, I'm going to go ahead and call it a night. Hope you guys have been enjoying the stream. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, conversation and the talk here. Um, uh, and uh, hope that it was kind of enlightening. Um, but uh, glad you guys enjoy it. If there's anything else that you would like me to talk about on, you know, the Not Tuesday show... And also, you know, interesting, questionly enough, like, I'm just curious, like, are people confused by the fact that I'm still streaming stuff on the Ultra Chen TV channel? Should I just move everything to the Jay Chenzor channel? Uh, I'm not sure how people feel about a lot of this, so just let me know. Uh, I will be going to ECT this weekend, Dubu Domo, so uh, check me out there. I'll be flying out in a couple of days on Thursday, heading out to ECT to do some Vampire Savior uh, commentary and stuff like that so uh, that should be a lot of fun but in any case thank you guys for watching and uh, hopefully you guys are all taking care of yourselves and uh, hope you guys all feel better I feel much better right now I'm definitely tested negative and everything's all good at this point in time oh I'll see you there then Dubu Domo please uh, I don't remember faces so I know I saw you at Evo so definitely remind me that it's you again uh, <laughs> But, uh, yes, no delay. Be excellent to each other. Uh, and everybody, uh, please be safe out there. Keep wearing your masks and such. And let's uh, be excellent to each other so we can party on 
And uh, I'll see you guys at ECT. Should be a lot of fun. Take care. Have a good night. And I will see you guys next time on the Not Tuesday Show Ultra Chen TV channel. Peace.